0: Welcome to another edition of the hawk off the press podcast i'm your host gazette hawkeyes reporter john steffi i am excited to welcome back kennington lloyd smith of the des moines register kenny welcome back
1: thank you for having me um this is my I believe my third time on the podcast so um, i appreciate being on i guess this means that your listeners do not hate me which is, <laughs> uh, which is a good sign but uh nah and i'll say this yes, i'm glad to be back and um uh, looking forward to a great conversation
0: well, it's an interesting week and or interesting last couple of weeks in collegiate athletics. You know, I was spending my Thursday morning thinking, OK, one more day till the holiday weekend. Nothing right. super crazy is going to happen. Then Caden Proctor commits and USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. So this is I think a, no matter there are a lot of different intricacies to how this will impact yeah. Iowa. But I think all in all, you'd consider pretty much every category of those as positives for Iowa.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, when when you go back to last year and the conversations about conference expansion and when Texas and Oklahoma moved to the SEC, immediately it was what's going to happen to the Big 12? What's going to happen to the Big 10? And the names that were linked to the Big Ten at that time were like Iowa State and West Virginia, um, you know, maybe Kansas, 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 Kansas State uh, with, you know, no, no disrespect to those schools. But they just they're not on the same level of a USC or a UCLA. when We talk about academic prowess and then also what they've accomplished athletically. So for the Big Ten to go out and get the two most prominent institutions on the West Coast, uh, two schools that have been the Pac-12 for almost a hundred years to get them to to come over to your conference and what they're going to bring. I mean, it's a home run by the big 10. And I mean, for Iowa, it's going to help them in so many different ways. It's definitely going to help them in recruiting. It's going to help them pretty much in every sport. When we talk about strength of conference, like when the college football playoff expands, it's going to be hard to leave, you know, a lot of big 10 teams out of it because the competition is going to be so good. I know. I remember, This spring, there was a lot of conversation about Iowa baseball and the NCAA tournament and the lack of strength in the Big Ten. UCLA is one of the best baseball programs in the country. USC traditionally has been very good at baseball, not so much over the last few years. But adding them, you have to think the Big Ten baseball conference is a lot better. So, uh, I mean, I think it was a home run across all fronts.
0: And I think the biggest thing, too, is money. You know, that next media rights deal (laughs) has to be really lucrative. Where I think it's pretty safe to say that by the end of that media rights deal and probably not even that long into it, where we could be seeing hundred million dollar payouts to schools.
1: Yeah. 100%. I think that's what, I think that was the motivation from the USC and UCLA side. I think that they look at the PAC 12 and they recognize that if we're looking at the power five conferences on the national landscape, the PAC 12 has just fallen so behind, especially in football. They're not playing many primetime games they haven't had a team in the playoffs in almost you know, six, seven years. Um, the revenue just doesn't compare to what it is in the Big Ten and what it is in the SEC. So, um, you know, I think that they were very forward-thinking and their mindset of, okay, in this next era of college football, who do we want to align ourselves with? I think they made a really good choice with, with the Big Ten, and I feel like the Big Ten and the SEC are standing side-by-side right now and everybody else is trailing behind.
0: Yeah, you know – Already the the Chicago based um, research firm Navigate put out their power five media payout projections. And it was clear, and this was back in March that it was the big 10 in the SEC in one tier and everybody else in the other. And now you add two teams in the number two media market in the country. It's hard to get much better than that. Like, especially when you look at number one is New York and that's not really a college football market. right? So you're technically in it with Rutgers, but I'm sure some people listening to this are gonna laugh when I talk about Rutgers in the New York media (laughs) market. So this gets you into a premier market that really cares about their college football. And even beyond the media market numbers, two strong brands that have a lot of alumni all over the place that's a lot of eyes are going to be on the big 10 starting. Well, already a lot of eyes on the big 10, but especially starting in 2024 when they join the conference.
1: Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, these are the two most prominent institutions on the West coast now joining the big 10. And I think it's interesting to your point, what you said about, you know, the media markets, the big 10 is the only conference only power five conference that truly spans coast to coast from California through the Midwest, and then on the East Coast. So they have, you know, a large share of, of national attention. And I think that adding those two teams into the conference, if USC is does what they're projected to do under Lincoln Riley, and UCLA, while they haven't been a major fixture in the Pac-12, and I don't know that they're going to ever be a major contender in the Big Ten either, but if they can be a consistent between seven and nine win team and, and go to a bowl game, Um, There's going to be some interesting games. There's going to be some big games to be played in the Big Ten slate, you know, down the the stretch of the year. And, you know, it's just going to add a different element to to what's happening in the Big Ten. I think that it's like almost a 180 of what Maryland and Rutgers brought to the Big Ten several years ago. You know, it was no disrespect to to Maryland (laughs) and Rutgers, but they athletically are not bringing to the table what USC and UCLA are bringing, especially on the football side. So, you know, um, I, I, I love it. I'm really interested in it. Um, you know, me and Chad have already had conversations about, you know, LA road trips and,
0: <laughs> and wanting
1: to kind of like lay claim to, to going out to the West Coast and all of that. So like, it's exciting for us as media members. I know it's exciting for for the fans as well. And, um, you know, if you're a player, you know, imagine, Instead of a late November game in Minnesota, like we're gonna have this year, late Minnesota, a late November game in Los Angeles, like that is you you can't help but smile at like that if you if you're a player or a coach or on the team. So uh,
0: or a reporter,
1: right? Exactly. Oh no, I'm I'm all in. You know, I <laughs> it's it's been well documented how much I hate cold weather. So uh, to <laughs> you know, to get a chance to you know to take some road trips out during football season, even basketball season, like. It's going to be freezing, traveling the Big Ten during basketball season, which I already went through this year. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to some West Coast trips.
0: You know, on the flip side, it's me really brutal for UCLA when they're having to fly up to East Lansing in February yeah. or yeah. even Iowa in February, yeah, anywhere. Like- you know, that's going to be an awakening for them.
1: Right, yeah. I think, uh, I think it was uh, – Robert at the, at the D.I. who had the tweet. It was like a viral tweet about, like, when USC breathes that cold air for the first time in <laughs> Iowa. And it was like, it was a, a, a video of Idris uh, Elba choking. Like, that's, <laughs> that's going to be an adjustment for, for them, too. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they're not uh, shying away from it too, too much. So, um, you know, I think they'll be game. They, I'm sure they have long sleeve shirts in California, right? They have, like, they have yeah. enough time to buy those they have enough time to buy long and hand warmers and heat generators and whatever, <laughs> and whatever they need to, to stay warm up
0: there. Two long years to prepare for that. Right, right. And I think one of the things that maybe would have kept the not so geograph or the more, yeah, I guess you'd say the not as geographically strict conference alignments from happening earlier was the travel costs. But really, I think when you look at it, when you're looking at as much money as we're talking about, okay, it pays for as many charter flights as the Rutgers soccer team or the USC volleyball team Mm -hmm. could possibly ask for.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is I think, you know, the, the travel thing and the distance thing is, I don't want to say it's um, it's overblown, but I think it's something that's going to be easily navigated. Like, I mean, you look at Iowa there, they travel to Rutgers and play like there's, that's a place from the Midwest to, you know, the other side of the country, similar, like if I would have to go out to, to California, there's just going West. Now there's going to be some instances where USC and UCLA are going to have to make the cross-country trip. You know, but I don't know how often that's going to be either. I guess we'll see how the divisions shake out um, if they the Big Ten decides to go to pods or if they just don't have a conference uh, divisions. I mean, just in general, because, you know, you're looking at Iowa and I don't have it in front of me. But I don't know how many trips they've made to Rutgers to play football since Rutgers has joined uh, the Big Ten. So, you know, this like a cross-divisional type game, maybe USC doesn't have to make that trip that often. So, um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I don't think that's something that is a super concern at this moment.
0: You know, it's interesting. It seemed like the trend was with conferences not really liking the divisions and starting to go away from that but maybe it, this is what it takes to bring back some sort of, whether it's division, whether it's pods of like three or four teams. The interesting thing too is where does the big 10 go with this? Because if they were to add Oregon and Washington, which does not sound as likely now as it did a couple of days ago, but things could change again, right. um, even between, when we record this and when this posts, if you add, say, two more West Coast schools, well, then you could have three protected rivalries and almost have a pod of those four teams out West. But if they don't add any more out West, okay, does Nebraska and USC become a protected rivalry? Like, that might be a little bit of a stretch there.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the interesting thing about it. I think that that's where Notre Dame will probably come into play because, you know, those them and USC are already kind of, you know, they're already known rivals they play every year. So um, I don't know, you know, how far down the line Notre Dame is going to be. I'm sure they're going to take their time with it. Um, but you know, you had Notre Dame into the conference and then USC and them, that's already one game and then maybe you can kind of, you know, shift some, some things around um, as well. So, and I'll see what happens. I, I guess it seems like At some point, at least the SEC in the Big Ten feels like it's going to reach 18 to 20 at some point. Um, So I guess we'll we'll see what happens. I know the SEC has kicked around the idea of pods, uh, which I like that idea personally. Like I think that that's probably the best way to kind of keep the divisional aspect and maybe have your rivalries, um, but then also still end up with the two best teams in the conference, regardless of East, West and other things at the end of it. So um, I'm a proponent of pods, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, because that's a
0: good way of doing it without having the situation of Iowa is probably the fourth best team in the Big Ten last year in football, and then they go to the Big Ten championship game, get demolished. It didn't help Iowa that much well i guess you can say you're west champions but right it didn't really help michigan in preparing for the college football playoff so pods would be a good way around that
1: yeah i, I will say this though to the pods and divisions kevin warren if you're listening to this right now <laughs> put usc and ucla in the west division and kick two teams from the west to the east so you know we can have the usc and ucla on our side so we can have those trips to Cali and we can just, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> have them to ourselves. Don't split them up. Don't put one here, one there. Don't put them over there with Ohio State and Michigan and then like, put them in the West. That's what their West Coast schools, put them in the West. Let us handle that. Uh, and then kick two teams to the East. So that's my, my plea if we're going to keep to the divisions.
0: I am very selfishly on board with that plan. And I think <sighs> the next Dom know that's going fall here is me, Notre Dame. And it seems like they're the one school where almost anybody else, if they were to get an invite from the big 10 outside of teams already in the sec, but any of the teams, I think from the ACC has their own media rights challenges with teams leaving, but Notre Dame is maybe in the one position where they have the luxury of maybe contemplating this a little bit that I don't think anybody else really has.
1: Yeah. Everybody wants Notre Dame. Like, let's just, let's just call it what it is. I mean, they have they pretty much have their own network, like playing on NBC exclusively. They're going to bring so much to the table revenue-wise that it's almost, it's almost like these other conferences are going to have to pitch them on joining the conference. It seems like they've been such a coveted piece for so long. And if I was the ACC, I would probably be sweating right now because they've had a loose partnership Notre Dame where Notre Dame plays several ACC teams per year and then in the COVID year they actually joined the the ACC um, and played with them but now with Big Ten adding USC and UCLA it almost seems like Notre Dame is trending towards the Big Ten now so um, I would be a little nervous if I was the, the ACC about not kind of retaining those Notre Dame rights but I mean you know, Notre Dame is one of the biggest brands um, in the country as well, like in that same tier as the USC and UCLA, when we're talking about athletic excellence, academic prowess. And, you know, what they're going to bring to the table money wise is, um, it's elite, you know, almost in a kind of like a second to one type, second to none type of level. So you know, if the Big Ten gets Notre Dame, that's going to be, um, that's going to be huge. And I think that that could even be maybe the deciding factor of maybe the Big Ten might, maybe even becoming like the supreme athletic conference. If you were to add them, maybe add somebody else before the SEC adds somebody. So Notre Dame's holding all the cards. I don't expect it to make a move too soon. Probably whenever they expand the playoff is probably when they'll they'll make that move. Whatever year that's going to be, we don't know.
0: Yeah, that um, another thing playoff. that could change any week or any month or any year. It seems
1: right. Yeah. And so that's going to be the. That's gonna be the the kind of timeline I'm following. It's like, okay, whenever they go to 8, 12, whatever, when that's when Notre Dame is gonna make their decision. Um, and I think that's just gonna be fascinating. Let's say they go to 12 teams and you have 17, 18 teams in the Big Ten, 16 in the SEC. Do they not account for probably 75% of the cost of all playoff if it's 12 teams? I mean, you think about let's say Georgia, Alabama, I don't know, Texas AM. Texas, you know, them four, then you have like Ohio State, Michigan, USC. I don't even know who else, you know, would be in the mix back then. But I mean, that's like seven teams right there. It's about half the field. So, you know, those two conferences are definitely setting themselves up really nicely in the near future.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, with how selective the Big Ten has been. As you are mentioning earlier, that there were the conversations a year ago about Kansas, Kansas State, those types of teams. And they pass on them, which avoids having some more of those clunker games, which I think, too, really adds to the level of it when you have a higher percentage of blue bloods on the schedule. Yeah. No disrespect here to Kansas football, but Kansas football is Kansas football, right? Exactly. I mean, it would be a good basketball
1: play, but like we all know, you know, these decisions are made with football in mind i think that i think we can all agree there that yeah like, you know, with the that's, exception that's of one heart. conference in america
0: yeah. <laughs> all of these are football decisions the one right. exception exactly. being the big east considering they're all the schools that make decisions based on basketball right so you know it's yeah it's a football world
1: yeah, and I think, I mean, even USC, UCLA is going to be good for Big Ten basketball. USC has gone to the tournament five out of the last six years in um, basketball. UCLA, while they haven't been, you know, the John Wooden Bruins, there are very few basketball brands and recognizable names as UCLA. So that checks the, the basketball box as well for the Big Ten.
0: And Mick Cronin has put together some good teams there too. Mm-hmm. And you get to say that Pauley Pavilion is a Big Ten venue.
1: Right. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a slam dunk for, for sure um, on, on all sides. So, um, you know, get on the big 10. I mean, you know, Kevin Warren, the commissioner, has taken heat over the years for, for various things. Uh, and there was a lot of questions about conference expansion and what's the big 10 going to do. And people were kind of questioning his leadership last summer. Um, and he, you know, to his credit, stood firm um, and, and reeled in, you know, two huge fish. I mean, that's like, you know, I didn't think that it could get bigger than Texas-Oklahoma going to the SEC, and then you have these two teams going to the Big Ten. It's like, okay, wow, like the Big Ten is, you know, they're kind of staking their claim as well as, you know, elite conference and kind of athletic superiority.
0: You know, if there was an instant pull of Kevin Warren's approval rating among Big Ten fans, <laughs> I think it probably took a pretty big jump last no, week. Yeah,
1: yeah, 100 100 percent. I mean, this is good. I mean, it's, again, this is good for everybody involved, like especially on the recruiting side of it. Like if we're looking at football, I would probably say Ohio State and Michigan are probably the only two schools that like I think that perennially go to the West Coast or could go into the state of California and pull, you know, elite prospects and kids out of there. And I think that this just opens up the door for so many Big Ten schools to go out there and pitch kids on going out to a big 10 school, but you can go back home to California. If not every year, you know, if UCLA and USC are like off years, one home, one away, semi-regularly throughout your college career, you can go back to California playing in front of your family and friends. They don't always have to make the trip. So um, this is, this is great for everybody. And I, I haven't, I haven't really seen too many people, you know, speaking of this negatively, I was able to talk to Iowa defensive assistant defensive line coach Jay Neiman, um, who's gonna be on uh, on our radio show this week? But he said that anytime that you can welcome schools like that that have that type of athletic and football background, you have to you have to look at it as a good move. So um, you know, I think that you know Iowa's coaches and fans are excited. I feel like everybody at the Big Ten is excited.
0: Yeah, you know, that West Coast kid growing up is gonna see more Big Ten football because of this. Mm-hmm. So you have an exposure level there where they're gonna be more familiar with iowa football because it's beyond more so i don't know how accessible big 10 network is right now in california but i would imagine that if it's not pretty accessible right now it's going to get more accessible in the next two years because and that's a win for a school like iowa that's in Let's see, the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Waterloo, Dubuque media market is, I think, like 90th. So then you get your brand of football, not all the time, but fairly often viewed in media market number two and the many other California media markets that are also in Southern California. That's a win.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And this is something that I can relate to personally growing up in the South. When I Mm -hmm. moved up here, um, a year ago, and people were asking me how much I knew about Iowa and the Big Ten. When when you're not from the the Midwest and you're not from the area, um, the only lens that you look at the Big Ten from is Ohio State and Michigan. Like, I, I can't say that I've watched an Iowa football game unless they were playing Ohio State or Michigan, or the other game that I can think of off the top of my head was that Rose Bowl when they played Stanford. But other than that, like, I don't think people want
0: the reminder. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm sure that they're like, you don't, it's good that you, you know, let's not speak about that, but (laughs) um, you know, if you're from the South, you're watching, you know, the SEC, you're not checking for, you know, the teams in the big 10, unless they're like the blue bloods, like you say, if you're on the West coast, you're it's USC it's UCLA it's Oregon. It's, you know, Arizona Arizona, whatever, whatever the case of be is, those schools on the West coast, you don't have that, that frame of mind. So, welcoming welcoming the, those schools kind of to to the home along the west coast um you know it's really gonna do well in terms of advancing the national brand so I definitely agree with you there
0: well it'll be an interesting time in the weeks and months and years ahead
1: yeah for sure now I'm looking forward to it I just uh you know I've seen a lot of people with the whole you know I don't know if I want to call it old guard, but kind of like gatekeeping college football, like, oh, we're losing traditions and, you know, we're losing the the region, the regionality of it. And, you know, I don't like where college football is going. Like for me, I feel like this is really exciting. I think that this at, at, at its core, it's about like providing the best product for the fans. And if that means that the biggest names are going to kind of all be in one place and we're on a collision course. And for me, it's kind of like a, so be it because I feel like fans want to be entertained, you know, every single week. And I feel like they want to be engaged, you know, with college football and what's going on with their conferences from the beginning to the end of the season. So you add schools like that into the mix, let's say you add another Dame to the mix, you know, an Iowa schedule, you know, there could be an Iowa schedule or like, you know, look at this year where they're playing Ohio state and Michigan. What if, you know, you subbed out, I don't know, Rutgers and Illinois, and you added USC and Notre Dame to that schedule. That's a jam-packed schedule. like, And it's going to be a very difficult schedule, but you have to be excited about that if you're, if you're an Iowa fan because you know you're going to see marquee matchups every single week. So for, for me, I think this is um, you know, a great move, and um, you know, I think this is just kind of like the new world of, of college athletics.
0: Yeah. I think it's safe to say the Alliance is dead at this point. That was like,
1: that's, you know, I've seen people like, you know, what happens to the Alliance? And I thought the Alliance, to be fair, was like a decent idea at the time. Like, you know, you get a chance to play one school from the West and one school from from the East Coast. You add it into your regular schedule. Um, But from the Big Ten's perspective, this is obviously way better than the Alliance.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, it was, I think the Alliance was great for the ACC, great for the Pac-12, but the Big Ten really held all the cards. And yeah. they kind of showed that they held all the cards last week.
1: Yeah, nah, that was you know power move by the big t- I didn't think that uh, it's like it's almost like you know the, the conference like I didn't think you had it in you like literally <laughs> like I don't think that. But I feel like all of us feel the same way though. Like when you when you first saw the tweet of USA, you you had to like look at the Twitter account and like really make sure the person was verified and like okay <laughs> like, who else is tweeting this like. What what other names are out there that can confirm this or whatever? Because it was truly, like, that unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So. You just explained my
1: thought process, <laughs> say. So, And then it was, like, to, you know, I remember you mentioned Caden Proctor earlier. It's, like, he announced that he was announcing at 1 p.m. And then, like, 10 minutes later, this came out. So it was just, like, it was a, a legitimate whirlwind of <laughs> emotions. Like, I don't even know, like, what to – what to do with myself at this point it's like i <laughs> start getting ready for kate and Brock, an announcement like we're gonna have to maybe do something on usc ucla like you know what are people gravitating towards like what do we start with like it was just hard to wrap your mind around
0: yeah and there could be more news or maybe not that's the wonderful <laughs> thing about this big 10 media days will be interesting right
1: No, that's gonna be uh that's going to be fun. And I know Kevin Warren's going to be walking out with his chest like out head high. He's going to be like, he's going to be looking forward to walking up to the, to, uh, to the podium this year. Like he's going to be, he's going to be feeling himself.
0: So, oh, you know, his popularity all time high right here.
1: Yeah. No, he's playing with, he's playing with house money now. Like he's like He's good. Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't do anything else in his time as Big Ten commissioner, he will always be the one that brought USC and UCLA into the fold. So he's he's solidified it in that regard.
0: Not a bad legacy to have,
1: right? Exactly. I mean, again, like I think that there there probably has been conversations about it, but I don't think that there's been enough made about how significant it is. That it was these two schools that have carried the torch for the Pac 12 for almost 100 years. Like, these are the schools. Like, this would be like, yeah, like, you know, Texas and Oklahoma carrying it for the, for the Big 12, but the Big 12 hasn't been around as long as the Pac 12. Like, mm-hmm. to, to take the two flagship institutions from, from one conference and, and adding it to yours, it's like, that's, a, that's significant. And something that you know is going to be a seismic shift across, you know, all different areas and aspects.
0: Well, if you kind of flip the table, it'd be almost like if a different conference poached Ohio State and Michigan.
1: Right. The Big exactly.
0: Ten. And how massive that would be for whichever conference got those two schools, and also how bad it would be for everyone else. But then you'll multiply it because instead of media markets whatever Columbus and Detroit are I don't remember those numbers off the top of my head you have them in LA so it's yeah. it's really hard to convey just how much of a magnitude this has on the college athletics landscape
1: yeah. and devastating for the Pac-12 like there there are no equivalents to those two schools leaving the Pac-12. And I have to give a little bit of credit to the Big 12 here because when the Big 12 lost Oklahoma and Texas, they immediately sought out the best group of five schools that probably could make the Power Five jump. So they went and got Cincinnati and they got Central Florida, they got uh, BYU and Houston there aren't really that many fringe group of five schools left out there to add to your conference, to add some cachet. Like if the PAC 12 could have added a BYU, that's not the same as a USC or UCLA, but it is something. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's better than Utah. Right. right. Exactly. It's a notable name. <clears throat> Excuse me. So like looking at the PAC 12 now, like I don't even know who are the best options for them to add like San Diego state, Fresno State, like, they're, they're yeah, good, but they don't
0: have football.
1: Yeah, like, they, these are, I mean, good schools, and, you know, they play good football at, at their level. I'm not saying that they don't, but it's not USC and UCLA. So, you know, the Pac-12 is, they're scrambling at this moment. I know the Big 12 is trying to post schools. That's what's being reported right now. So, uh, you know, I one end for the Big Ten. You know, Kevin Warren is you know, sticking his chest out. And then I'm not, uh, I don't know the Pac-12 commissioner's name off the top of my head, but I know he's having um, a much more um, stressful summer than than Kevin Warren is.
0: No summer fun for him. At least not nearly (laughs) as much summer fun as you would normally expect to have in a conference that has California and the Pacific Ocean. Right, exactly. Well, Kenny, thanks for joining me.
1: No, thank you. This was uh this was a fun conversation. Uh, you know, it's about to football season is about here, it's about to ramp up. So like it's kind of like very fitting that this announcement came with Big Ten Media Day right away. And um, you know, we're gonna get into fall camp soon. We're gonna get a chance to talk to a lot of players in the next few weeks, we'll get their thoughts on it. So um, you know, a really exciting time. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all.
0: And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Hawk Off the Press. Until next week, we will talk hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash Podcasts.